Welcome to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Luke Johnson. Yes, my name is Luke. I moved to Oregon uh, from here uh, with my wife named Becca. We have a lovely, lovely German shepherd named Berkeley. We don't have any kids. Uh, she's too much for us as is. Um, but uh, like I've said three times now, I'm excited to be here. Uh, <laughs> yes, and if you don't know, uh, I'm here to kick off a brand new series talking about uh, gender qualities. He, he said, she said. Uh, we're talking about gender qualities. I'm unpacking biblical manhood tonight, and my friend Meg will be here next week to talk about biblical womanhood. And you may be here and you may be thinking, Man, in the year of 2021, the year of our Lord, why are we, why, why is gender the, the discussion? Why are we still having this conversation? Well, it is important to, uh, it's an important conversation to have. Uh, and let me tell you why. I, I believe, um, well, just imagine with me for a minute, a world without women. Uh, ladies, it would probably work. Uh, to think about a world without men, too, but I'm a man, so I can't really think about that because then I would cease to exist. But think of me, uh, think with me, a world without women. Um, and I don't think it would be far off to say that the world would descend into chaos without women. Um, in fact, there's a movie about this. It's, sorry, it's Casey Affleck. You probably have never heard of it. You probably don't even know what Casey Affleck is. Um, but it's called Light of, My, Light of My World, is what it's called. Um, and it's pretty interesting because it's a dystopian kind of uh, post-apocalyptic movie. And if you don't know what dystopian or post-apocalyptic means, it means craps hit the fan. Um, but what's caused crap to hit the fan is that a virus came through that for somehow uh, targeted women and killed off like 98% of the world's female population. Um, and it really is. The world descended into chaos. Um, like tribes of guys just running around ransacking people and it's this lovely story about a father and daughter and how uh, how that that's it's great watch the movie um and i know i have a feeling that would be true because i can look at my own life um and if my wife left me my world my life would descend into chaos and it's not even if she would left me if she like leaves me at home for like an hour my life descends into chaos. Picture a house full of dirty clothes, shoes all over the living room, a sink full of dishes, and, and a man that eats nothing but hot pockets, tosita pizza rolls, and bread and peanut butter. And that would be me without my wife. Um, now, ladies, don't, before you bury me in this hole that I've seemed to dug myself in, this is not because I have the anticipation or the, the expectation that my wife would do these things for me, uh, but simply that uh, my wife is very different from me. She cares more about the cleanliness of the house. She cares about uh, eating healthy, uh, and I just don't. And so when she's not there, <laughs> I don't do those things. Um, but my life is so much better because of her, because of her difference from me. And I really think that, that um, that's how God designed life to be. Uh, if you think about uh, the creation of the world, Genesis 1 and 2, with me for a minute, uh, God creates everything, 
uh, in six days, and everything he says, everything is good until he makes man. And it's not that man is not good. He says, he looks at man and says, it's not good for you to be alone. That's the first thing he has said that's not good. So it's not good for a man to be alone. Um, and so he has all these animals that he's created. And he says, I'm going to make, or I'm going to find a helper fit for you. And so he makes all the animals go by and he's supposed to pick out the helper that's fit for him. The dog was pretty close, but not quite. Um, and so uh, the, the man falls short of, of or everything else just kind of falls short of that mark of, of a helper fit. Um, and so what God does is he puts him to sleep and he takes a rib out of his chest and makes a woman. Um, and the, the guy sees her for the first time and says, bones of, bo- bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh, meaning that they are the, they are the same, they, they are fit. Fit in that context means like uh, com- whole, like brings like a wholeness or a completeness. Um, and so if you look at that story that I just overviewed really quick, um, it's interesting that God made something different from man. Like, he could have easily just, just made another man, said, it's not good for you to be alone, here's another dude, because uh, he already had the blueprints for that, he already knew how to do that. Um, but he didn't. He made something different. And I don't think I have to convince you that men and women function differently. Uh, if, if you <laughs> don't think that, you've obviously never spent much time around freshman guys and then freshman girls, because um, they're completely different creatures. Uh, but that... Um, and it's, it's God created men and women differently. It's not that he created one above the other, that created them equal. They are of the same material. They are all in the image of God, uh, but he created them differently to function differently. Um, and this is a, uh, this is an incredibly complex topic that I overviewed really quickly. Um, so, and, and manhood in itself is, is that way too. So I have a couple disclaimers. Um, because it's so multifaceted, um, I have a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it. Megan told me 20 minutes, so I got to stick to that. But really, I could be here for hours and not, not even scratch the surface of biblical manhood in itself, let alone uh, biblical womanhood. Um, so um, I, want, I want to put this in your mind now. As I continue on, I'm going to be unpacking biblical manhood. And what I have to say... Uh, manhood is more than that, okay? There's more to manhood than what I'm going to communicate today, but there's not less. There's no less than what I have to say about manhood, if that, that makes sense. I'm going to paint a picture of manhood that is not less than. It's, it's a baseline is what I want to create. And ladies, you're in the room too, or you're uh, watching online, please don't turn off because I'm talking about, about manhood. Um, what I have to say may not apply as directly to you, but it still applies to you. Because uh, here in a few years, uh, or not, you're going to be looking for a mate uh, or a man, and you're going to have to, you're going to need to know what a man looks like so you can weed out the boys. Um, or uh, if, ladies, if you're, you're a Christian and you look at your other Christian guys uh, and they're acting a fool, you need to know uh, what the difference is between a man and a boy is. So you can, in love and truth and grace, politely uh, tell them to pull their head out of their butt and act like a man. So, ladies, this is, this is important for you to know 
as well. And if, you're, if you've never really like thought about the difference between manhood and womanhood, uh, or if you've never, uh, if this is something you've never really understood, you're not alone. I didn't quite start wrestling with these ideas until I was in college, um, and I'll never forget. I was hanging out with some friends, um, and one of my friends, one of my guy friends, went and got a soda out of the fridge, and he sat down next to me, just plopped down on the couch and said, you know, the, you know what makes a real man? I said, no, what? He said, uh, a real man only opens a can with one hand. So, if you're wondering if I'm qualified to give this talk. There you go. Uh, no, obviously I'm kidding. <laughs> that's, that's not real. Uh, that's not the, the, the mark of a real man. And now I've, my hands are sticky. Uh, so don't do that. Don't try this at home. Um, but is it not true that sometimes we let really ridiculous notions define for us what manhood is? Uh, and that's really because there's so many voices out there competing for uh, trying to tell us what, what, the, what a man should be. And, you know, if you look at social media, a man is, uh, has washboard abs, rippling pectorals, uh, <laughs> uh, think Captain America, um, which is like pop culture. Uh, you could look at Captain America and that he's always the hero, always the, the smartest, the like, kind of a self-righteous kind of a guy. Or you might look at James Bond, who drives fast cars and is really smooth with the ladies. Um, or maybe your past experience has defined manhood for you. Um, maybe someone who... Um, uh, someone had a poor example of manhood or was a poor example of manhood and told you that that's what a man should be. Uh, and really all of this um, attributes to the fact that the definition of manhood is just really vague. Um, even, even preparing for this, I was looking for like a dictionary definition for manhood. That's always a good place to start uh, when you have a topic to cover that's really, really dense. Um, and I couldn't find anything that was really more than the attributes of of a man, or uh, the characteristics or qualities ascribed to being manly, which is super helpful. Uh, but what I did find was this graphic here, which is like a word association collage of, of manliness. Um, so if you have ever seen these before, the bigger words are like words that most people would say. So you have like your normal ones, like strong, provider, confident, tough, those are okay. Um, but then you have some kind of scarier ones, like aggressive, violent, uh, power, dancers. Uh, that's up there. I don't, uh, I don't know. Um, but it can get really confusing thinking about what manhood is. Um, and so if we don't have a clear picture of what, what we're trying to be, we can get lost in confusion, and you just, you don't know what you're supposed to be. So then you end up not trying, or um, just kind of like sitting in that confusion. Um, or you try to become something that you cannot be. Um, not every guy is wired the same way. So not every guy is going to be uh, tough or independent. Um, but if that is the picture of manhood that's, that's painted for you, like you're, you're never going to live up to that mark. Um, or we can become something that we don't want to be, like aggressive and violent. 
Um, and so uh, what I want to do, uh, like I said earlier, is, is, is create a baseline. That this is what, uh, at, at, at the very least, this is what manhood is. Uh, and if you can get this baseline down, then you will be well on your way to being a man by the Bible standards. Um, and so uh, we're going to be looking at the Bible. And if you're new to the BSM or new to the Bible, you need to know that uh, it is divided up into two parts. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament is God creates everything. We mess it up. And then kind of spends the rest of the time trying to, to get back to God. The New Testament is we're, we're never able to get to God. And so God comes to us in the form of Jesus. Uh, and and he lives, dies, and is ro- risen again. And then the rest of the uh, New Testament is just kind of uh, people trying to live that out, live that the reality of the church uh, to be um, like Christ. So uh, what we're going we're, we're gonna to be in Genesis, we're going to be looking at the creation of the first man. Um, we're prototype number one. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, God created man in his image. Uh, you may be looking at the mirror and being like, is that really what God looks like? Uh, and uh, I don't know, honestly. Um, could be, could probably not. Um, but what, what that word image means is less about appearance, has less to do with appearance, and more to do with substance. Uh, and not like physical substance, because if we know anything, God is not flesh and bone, but a spiritual substance. Uh, meaning that we have, we have a piece of God's, or we, we are made, we have a, a piece of us is made out of the same substance as God. We have a spirit uh, or a soul, if you will. Um, and, and in that, God has woven in qualities of himself. Um, so in, at our prime, at our perfect self, truly, truly perfect self, we are a representation of God himself. Um, and so, uh, w- with, if that is true, then the best way we can know, uh, the best way we can know ourselves is to know him who created us. Uh, we have to know his, his qualities, his characteristics, uh, to, in order to strive to be like him. Um, but, uh, Adam was here, and he didn't just know about God, but he knew him intimately. He had a relationship with us. Um, if you think about why God created man, uh, part of the reason God created him is to have relationship with, with him. Um, and so, uh, yeah, God created us to have relationship with us. He's a relational being. We are relational beings. Uh, he wants to know us. And wants us to know him. Here in, in Adam's time in the Garden of Eden, uh, God walked among Adam and talked or spoke to Adam. And they, they knew each other freely. 
Uh, later on in Genesis, it says that they were naked and had, uh, and had no shame. Uh, so, like, there was this intimacy between them where God knew everything about them, and Adam knew, uh, knew him like he knew uh, the best, his best friend or his wife, his own wife. Uh, and that's how we uh, should know God. Um, so a biblical man knows God. Um, but uh, another reason, God didn't just make, uh, make man just to, to know him, uh, but he gave them a job. Uh, so if you uh, jump over to Genesis uh, 2, 15 and 17, uh, side note, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 tell the same story. Um, Genesis 2 is just a little more zoomed in. Um, <clears throat> so if you look at Genesis 2, 17, uh, 15 and 17, uh, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in, in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The Lord God commanded him, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat it, you will, uh, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So what is Adam's job? He was a gardener. God made a garden, and he put him in the, the garden um, to work it and to keep it, which is kind of a weird, weird phrase in our day because um, we, I mean, work it makes sense. Keep it, eh, kind of. Um, but what that really means is, is to, to help cultivate it to grow. Um, uh, flip, over, flip back to Genesis 1, and it says it like this. Um, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Um, so we hear that word, be fruitful and multiply. A lot of that, we think that means like to populate the earth with people. That's part of, that's part of that command, um, but it's not all of that command. Um, what that also relates to is just the garden. Be fruitful, like take the garden, cultivate it to be fruitful and to multiply. Um, and then goes on to say, and have dominion over the fish and of the sea, fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree of the seed in its fruit. So God gives them dominion over everything. Dominion is like authority, uh, power to, to do whatever, uh, to, authority to, to work it and to keep it. Um, but it's not so that they can eat. It says that he has given them every plant uh, and, and yield seeding, or every plant seed yielding seed um, to eat. So they don't need to work the garden for food because God's already provided food. So why did they need to work the garden? Because he didn't just give the garden to, to man, but he gave him to the, the people. Um, and verse 30, it says, And every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that was the breath of life, I, give, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So the idea is that it was Adam's responsibility to cultivate what God had given him, meaning the garden, um, to, to be fruitful and multiply it out, uh, not, just, not for himself, but for creation, okay? So um, uh, another, the second quality of a biblical man I want to point out is that a biblical man does his job, uh, which is to cultivate growth. Um, and whether 
uh, whether you're a gardener or not, uh, Tarleton's a good school uh, for this language. Some of you are like, yes, I can grow plants. Uh, I can raise animals. You, you can do that. Uh, others of you are like, man, I, this is not the job I want. Uh, and I'm in that category. Um, but it's not just, not just garden. Obviously, uh, Garden of Eden's gone. That's another story. Um, but we have other things that God has given us to cultivate, to grow. Uh, primarily, we have relationships. Uh, God has given us relationships with, with people around us. To, and, and it is our responsibility as men to see them to grow. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you have authority over that person to be like, go do this thing. Um, it, it depends varying on your relationship. Um, with, so a man and his wife, it's very much the man's responsibility to cultivate growth and her specifically. Uh, but for someone else, that might look like... Uh, uh, having uh, your classmate or roommate and, and, and investing in them in a way that they grow uh, and, and multiply out. Um, so, but it, also it's not just growth, it's not growth for your sake, um, but growth uh, for God's sake and the people around you. Um, the third quality of a biblical man is that a biblical man is, uh, sorry, the biblical man has the best role model. Uh, and I say the best because your, who you have as a role model matters. You're only as good as your role model. And that sounds really shadow, shallow, uh, but ladies, uh, work with me with this. You have two eligible bachelors want to take you on a date. Uh, the only thing you know about them is this, that bachelor number one, uh, his lifelong role model uh, wants to be exactly like him, uh, reads all of his all of his writings, uh, emu- wants to emulate him in every way, is Martin Luther King Jr. That's pretty good, right? Bachelor number two, same thing. Role model, wants to be like him in every way, uh, but it's Joe Exotic, the Tiger King himself. Which bachelor would you rather go on a date with? <laughs> right, Joe, Joe Exotic would be more fun probably, but... You know which, which bachelor should do you want to go on a date with. It matters. You can tell a lot about a person by who they want to emulate because who you emulate affects who you become. Um, and so uh, we've, we've been looking at Adam. Um, and let me tell you, you don't, wanna, you don't want Adam as your role model. Because uh, shortly after this, he really screws it up. Uh, he was given one job, and that, that Genesis 2 passage says, don't eat from this tree. God says, don't eat from this tree or you'll surely die. What does he do? He eats from that tree. Um, so we don't want to follow Adam's footsteps. Luckily for us, uh, God made a new Adam. Uh, because Adam was supposed to be the perfect man. Uh, but when he wasn't, we needed a, a new man to come. So God came in the form of Jesus to be a new Adam, to be a perfect man. And in him, we have the perfect role model. If we believe that Jesus was truly perfect, he is the perfect man. Uh, And the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, uh, knew this. And so he was urging some friends of his in Philippians, um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, says, uh, Have this among yourselves 
which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Paul here is saying, hey, you know Jesus? Be like him. Be, let him be your example for living. Uh, because Jesus knew God better than anyone. It says here that uh, Jesus was in the form of God. And so he, uh, more, more than us being made in the image of God, he knew God. Um, and if you read the story of Jesus in the Gospels, there's countless times where he's staying up late and getting up early just to go spend time with God. Um, and so he knew be God better than anyone, and he obeyed God, even to the point of death. Um, and he did that not for himself, but for us. His life, Jesus' life, was not for himself, but was, was for others, and, and us, even. Um, but it says that it is be only because of Jesus um, that we have, it says, in, uh, we have the, the mind among ourselves uh, because it's ours in Jesus Christ. It's only because of Jesus that we are able to know God and to know him intimately, to have relationship with him because of his death on the cross. Um, so men, if, uh, if these characteristics of men, if these three characteristics, that a man knows God, a man does his job, which is uh, to cultivate growth, to be about other people, and the man uh, has a role model in Jesus. These characteristics are what it looks, um, are, if these are biblical characteristics of manhood, uh, what does it take to make this a reality today? Uh, and the answer to that is really simple. One, you got to know God. Um, it's it's as, as simple as that. If uh, you can only be as, as biblically manly as you are intimate with God, uh, you can only be as as biblical manly as you as you know God. In fact, um, the Bible would say that if you don't know God, you're you're dead. Spiritually, you are dead. Uh, John seventeen three says. Uh, eternal life is this, that you know God. And again, it's not knowing about God, but it's knowing him. And that's true for everyone, ladies included. Um, so if, if you don't know him, that, that, that is uh, one, that's the starting point to being a biblical man. If you don't know God and you want to be a biblical man, you have to know him. And that is, that is an offer on the table tonight. Um, for you to start a relationship with him. If you do know him, uh, don't just know about him, but grow in intimacy with him. What are, what are ways, what are rhythms of intimacy in your life that you can grow to, to know God more, grow in knowledge of God, but grow in love of God as well? Second, you got to do your job. You may not realize, uh, you may not realize you have a job that needs to be done, uh, or maybe you're like me sometimes, and someone else is willing to do the job, and so you're willing to let them. Uh, regardless, uh, it is our responsibility. It is our responsibility that at, at the end of our lives, God's going to hold us accountable for the growth that we did or did not cultivate. Um, and so God has given you things to cultivate and grow. Maybe it's your classmate. Uh, to invest in your classmate, uh, to, 
or, or your roommate, or maybe it's to leverage your job uh, for the sake of, of, of knowing God, loving God, or the sake of helping others know God and loving God. Or maybe it's your paycheck or time or talents uh, to, to invest in uh, for the kingdom. And thirdly, you need to be like Jesus. The character of Jesus should be our filter, not just our example for everything, but our filter uh, for everything we do, for our actions, our words, our attitudes, our thoughts. Uh, really, if we, if we take those things and we say, would Jesus say this? Would Jesus do this? Would Jesus think this? If the answer is no, then we shouldn't do those things. That, and it's not only a filter of everything, that everything should pass through that filter, but it's also... Uh, the, the ruler or uh, the, the yardstick uh, that we would measure ourselves against? Are we, are we looking more and more like Jesus? Um, and so maybe that's what you need to do tonight is um, to, to take some time and evaluate your life and to, to put yourself up against that ruler and say, do I look like Jesus? Now, with that, show grace to yourself because you're not going to look like Jesus. You're not always going to meet that metric. You're not, you're not always going to uh, pass through the filter. You're going to mess up. Uh, but that is what grace is, is for. Um, it's not an excuse to be complacent. We should still be striving and striving and working um, to, to be looking more like Jesus until we achieve it. So I don't know, uh, I don't know what, what idea of manhood you came here with, uh, but I, I, like I said, I hope this created at least uh, a baseline for manhood. Um, the reality is there's a shortage of godly men in the world because it is uh, muddled and, conf- and the definition of, of manhood is muddled and confused um, and distorted. Uh, distorted in a way that biblical manhood looks kind of wimpy. Uh, it's very contrary uh, to the, the world's definition of manhood uh, to die for yourself, right? Because if you look at, if you look at movies and pop culture, Captain America even, uh, he's always the hero. Uh, the world would have us believe that, uh, that you have to end up on top, you have to be successful, you have to be the hero in order to be a man. Um, but that's not what Jesus, that's not what Jesus did. That, but Jesus was a servant and, and, and died, uh, died a, a horrific death um, that, in the world's eyes, uh, didn't look like a hero. Um, but that passage in Philippians continues, Philippians not, uh, 2, 9 through 11. Uh, so because Jesus was, um, was a servant even to the point of death, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of the Father. And so, while that that Jesus may not be the the picture of a man the world would paint, uh, but it's it's the only outcome for uh, a, for glory, really. That that because Jesus gave Himself up, His whole life was not for Himself. Uh, but was for the world, and he gave himself up uh, for the world and was obedient to God. God exalts 
exalted him and will exalt him uh, so that everything, everything bows to the name of Jesus. So, let this be the baseline for manhood, that you would know God, that you would do your job, that your life would not be for yourself, but for others, and that Jesus would be your role model. Um, there's more to manhood than this. It's multifaceted. There's a lot of nuance, but there's not less to manhood than this. So if you have any questions, uh, fill out that connection card in the link. Um, you can also talk to, to Megan or, or Daniel at the BSM, and they'll probably direct you to me, uh, or they can direct you to me. Um, but yeah, I'm going to pray for us, then we'll move on to what's next. So God, thank you so much um, for all that you've done for us, all that you've made us. God, thank you for creating us um, and making a way for us to know you even when we mess up. Um, God, thank you so much for Jesus who gave his life for us. God, thank you for the example he is. And God, thank you that, that it's even by him that we have, we have life, that we can know you. And God, thank you so much for your sacrifice. Um, thank you for your word that guides us through the confusion of the world and through those voices that we hear. Lord, you're really good to us. God, I pray that, uh, that you would reclaim uh, manhood in this world, uh, that it would be, uh, that we would be men, uh, your church would be full of men willing to, to lay their lives down for those around them, to cultivate growth, and men that know you intimately uh, like a friend or a wife. Um, God, you are so good to us. I pray this, uh, I pray all of this in your name uh, for your glory, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.